It's currently Thyroid Awareness Month in Australia, month of May, and it is also World Thyroid Day on the 25th of May. And if you are looking for a great thyroid resource uh, to help you on your thyroid journey, then I would love you to consider getting a copy of the Let's Talk Thyroid book, which is all about positive and practical help for anyone with a thyroid condition, but particularly if you are early on in your thyroid journey, you're going to find it incredibly helpful. You can get a copy at my website, letstalkthyroid.com or via Amazon. And it, you know, if you want to get one for a friend, sharing the love during during um, Thyroid Awareness Month, that'd be great. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact me. Hi, today on the Let's Talk Thyroid podcast, I'm talking with Angela Brown. Uh, You're going to love this conversation. I was re-listening to it, obviously, as I'm editing it. And oh my gosh, there's so many gems. Angela weaves in her both personal experience uh, with having hypothyroidism and her professional experience as a holistic health coach. And she's also a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner really uh, really likes to dive into advanced testing and thyroid healing for women. And, and so she really uses her own experience and expertise to work with um, other women with thyroid issues. And we dive into this, um, I guess, the testing um, and different ways of, of testing, particularly talking about minerals. So we, we chat about things like calcium and potassium, selenium, those types of minerals that are really important for thyroid health, not to have too much or not enough of. Uh, so we talk about that. We also really cover a lot about mindset uh, and how important mindset is to having a healthy thyroid. So I hope you really enjoy this conversation with Angela. Uh, don't forget to hit subscribe and share the episode with you know any friend that you might have that has a thyroid issue. Before we get into the show today, I just want to say to those of you that are feeling overwhelmed and not too sure where to start with tackling your thyroid health from that diet and lifestyle point of view, then why not consider doing a strategy session with me? We can spend an hour together just trying to cut through all of the different information and work out what's the next best step for you, just to simplify it and get you, but get you started on a road to feeling better. So head to annabellebateman.com forward slash strategy. I would love to do a, do a session with you and just really help you get started. Welcome to Let's Talk Thyroid, where we explore different aspects of living a healthy thyroid lifestyle, positively and practically, to help you thrive and not just survive. Join me, Annabelle Bateman, your host, and Let's Talk Thyroid. So Angela, welcome to the Let's Talk Thyroid podcast. I'm really thrilled to have you here to share your story and share your wisdom with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So we just connected over Instagram, which I'm finding is a really fabulous way to connect with other thyroid warriors around the world. Have you found that? Yeah, actually, I was, it's funny that you say that. I was just talking to someone recently about how there are so much, there's so much information on um, Instagram now, especially with thyroid world. There's a lot of good juicy information on Instagram and it's awesome to see all the coaches and all the people interacting on there with it. Yeah, there's some really some lots of generous information, lots of, and you know, I've, yeah, it's been really nice. I've just enjoyed connecting with different people and having them on the show and getting to know. I feel like I'm making all these little thyroid friends all around the world. Yep, yep, yep. That's exactly how I feel. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about your, tell us a little bit, bit about you first, and then okay. we might launch into your thyroid story. Sure. So, um, 
I am a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. Um, I actually started um, in the healthcare field. I started as a physical therapist. Um, that's what I uh, graduated um, with a degree in. Okay. Um, in my early 20s, I started that and I started, I don't know, it was just weird. And I don't know because I struggle with hypothyroidism myself, but I started seeing all these um, particularly women who were having all these other health issues besides physical therapy issues. And there, there was a, always this consistent complaint about not feeling good, having all these other health issues, but didn't know what to do with it. And over the years, I started feeling like, you know, I think I want to go further into um, health coaching, not just doing physical therapy. I loved it, but I wanted to expand on that. And so that's why I got certified in functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. So I can utilize lab testing, things like that to really dive further in and customize, um, in the clients that I work with. Mm. Um, and then I really honed in on thyroid stuff since I struggle with it myself. Um, it's been such a really, really fun Avenue and working with these women and seeing them progress and being able to coach them all along the way, because I've struggled with it myself. Yeah. I think when we've struggled, we know, how good we, you know, how bad we can feel, but also that we right. can feel better. And so uh-huh. you sort of see people struggling and think, no, you can feel better. Like it's right. right. up and down road. But it is an up and down road. And even, yeah. you know, when you do get better, there's still, I mean, whenever you struggle with anything with your thyroid, there is, it, it is a lot of up and down. Yep. Yep. For sure. So yep. So tell us, I, I want to come back into the, um, the, or the professional stuff and the way you work with clients. Cause I think yeah. um, you've got some really interesting information to share with us, but for you, like tell, when did you first, when were you first diagnosed with your sure. Hashimoto's? And so I, <laughs> I got diagnosed when I was 22. Yep. Um, I Me actually, too. yeah. And I thought you had too. I thought it was the mm. same story. Yeah. So I got diagnosed then and it, it was kind of weird because I'm, I was in um, college for a physical therapy program, which was really intense. Mm. It was very hard. I was stressed out a lot and I just assumed it was just stress. Every doctor told me it was just stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it took a couple doctors, different doctors to see, to get the diagnosis of hypothyroidism. And mm. then, um, oh man, it was a pretty long struggle. It was probably another 12 years of different doctors, um, saying the same thing, essentially, here's another pill. Um, sometimes it's all in your head. Um, things like that, that, um, I was like, there, there has to be a better way. This cannot be just the way it is. And I was essentially only ever put on medication, like Synthroid Mm -hmm. was all I was ever put on. And I never felt good. Nothing ever was making me feel good. Um, Mm -hmm. it was just such a long, long battle, um, to the point that it was, it took seven doctors to finally get to a functional medicine doctor. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, you know, you, yeah, you actually do have hypothyroidism. I'm like, I know I do. Um, but you know, no one's really helping me, um, get into like, what else is causing this and why is this medication not working? Um, Mm. so the, that long battle is what really fueled me to like, there's, I want to get some sort of certification so I can start not only, you know, working with clients, but I wanted to work on myself. I'm like, I have to get to some answers here because mm-hmm. this is not working. And that diagnosis, you know, it was tough because when I got diagnosed, it's like I put this label on myself. Um, oh, I have hypothyroidism. And I use that as 
everything going wrong. <laughs> oh, it's my hypothyroidism, but I wasn't getting any help. So that's why I was like, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way at this. Yeah. So have you got, have you got Hashimoto's as well or? No. I, oh, okay. Right. I think I had that. Yeah. I was having this discussion actually um, with my husband because I just got my thyroid labs back. I get them checked every year now. And um, I'm like, oh, I, I don't have antibodies. I'm like doing a happy dance, but I don't have antibodies. I did have antibodies at one point when my thyroid was totally tanked because I was going through a really stressful event um, for about a year and a half-ish. And um, they were really, really low. And then I never, I've never had them since. Uh, I never did okay. with it, never said, you know what? They were like, I think it's a stress response. Not sure on that, um, but I haven't had any since then. Um, yeah. But well, that's good. Uh, it's and when are you doing a happy dance? That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, but I still get them checked because I'm always like, well, if I had them mm. once, I could have them again. Yeah. So I, I still get them checked every year. Yeah. So can you just explain while we're talking about this? Yeah. Because um, I think you did this in an Instagram post recently. The difference between hypothyroidism yeah. and Hashimoto's. Because yeah, I'll leave that one to you. Yeah. So. Um, Hashimoto's is essentially a type of hypothyroidism. So hypothyroidism is slow thyroid. The thyroid is not functioning optimally. And Hashimoto's is also slow thyroid. But the difference with being straight hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's is Hashimoto's is an autoimmune response. So essentially your body thinks that your thyroid is a foreign object. It attacks it. It's just an immune response. It starts attacking it and it literally starts like, killing pieces off of the actual thyroid. It, it attacks it and it can get pretty severe for some people. And then straight hypothyroidism is, it is not an autoimmune response. Mm-hmm. It is your thyroid hormones aren't working. Your thyroid is not working. It is a straight non-autoimmune response. So that's why I actually did a, a post on that because people aren't really told the difference when they get diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And the, the treatment and how you work on that, there, there, there's some similarities, but there are a lot of differences. And all autoimmune, the, the way you respond to an autoimmune treatment for something like Hashimoto's is very different than just straight hypothyroidism. And so many are not told that when they get diagnosed. Well, so many, I mean, you would probably have a better understanding of this, but my understanding is just from talking to people is mm-hmm. that so many people with Hashimoto's are never told they actually have Hashimoto's. Right. Right. And that's the other they, thing. They just I, say, I actually, underactive thyroid, yep. take this pill, yeah. off you go, come back in 12 months for a test. I was talking right. to someone not that long ago and she's like, I said, well, have you got Hashimoto's? Oh, they don't even, they don't uh, even know. Oh, I don't no. know. And I'm like, what do you no. mean you don't know? <laughs> but, right. but they don't know. So, and if the, yeah. So yeah. Well, and that a lot of it is they don't know. One, the doctor either doesn't tell them that or they're never tested. So yeah. many people are never tested for thyroid antibody, so they don't even know they have Hashimoto's. And anyone that comes to work with me, I'm like, okay, first of all, full blood panel for your thyroid. I need to see if you have antibodies. I need to see because we are going to attack this a little bit differently if there are yeah. antibodies present. And a lot of them are like, I've never heard of that. The doctor's yeah. never told me. So, yeah. which is kind of sad. <laughs> well, it is. And so, I mean, do you find just, just anecdotally in your, mm-hmm. uh, with your clients, is there a, like, do most have the, um, autoimmune? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I yeah. would say 90% of okay. the women that I work with, they have Hashimoto's. Yeah. Um, the majority of them do. And 
And unfortunately, the majority of them not only have it, they don't know it until I'm like, you have to get this blood panel. And yeah. then we get the thyroid antibodies back. And they're like, my doctor never would have checked that. I would have yeah. never known. It's um, the same in Australia. It's no different. Yeah. I figured. <laughs> it's really not. Uh, yeah. You've got to push for it. You've got to ask for it. You've you got have to, to. I know our medical systems are quite different, but even here, like I can get that all, um, all the blood tests I don't pay for. Like they're all under yeah. what we what we call Medicare. Yeah. Uh, but until my general understanding, and it, it does, will vary from doctor to doctor and case mm-hmm. by case, but until you've been diagnosed with Hashimoto's, they won't cover the antibody test. Yeah, so I believe it's that. It's not that expensive to get it done. So I often say to people, just offer to pay, you know, because you yeah, have to get pay. That, you know. Well, that's essentially what I end up telling my clients. I'm like if you, because if the doctor orders it here in the States, if the doctor orders it, the insurance typically will cover it. But now they have, you can order lab testing yourself here. I mean, they have at-home test kits where you can do a finger prick, send it off. And it's so cheap. I'm like, just oh, right. do it. Wow. Let's figure it out. Just do it. Because the one of the issues we have here is a lot of times it's like pulling teeth to get a doctor to actually order a full thyroid panel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm like, we're going to do it ourselves then because you yeah. have to do it. We have to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, well, 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 let's just keep on this topic. We'll come back. I'll come back. I'm going to ask you a few yeah. more questions about your story. Yeah. But um, so someone comes to you and they're like you straight hypothyroidism, no autoimmune mm-hmm. component. Mm-hmm. What's the main difference in the way you approach how they managing their Thyroid health. So when it comes to um, think of, and we're talking about like Hashimoto's lifestyle, diet, things like that. I mean, they're important for both, yeah. but it's a pretty much non-negotiable when it comes to Hashimoto's. Like, uh-huh. no yeah. question, you, we have to take gluten out. A lot of times, they have to take dairy out. Um, there, are, that is essentially it is like a non-negotiable. Like diet is absolutely non-negotiable. There is no way around it. Um, we have to work on all the things that could be creating havoc to increase an autoimmune response um, or inflammation, things like that. So the the big difference is I I make it's almost it's it, like I said it's like, like a non it's more mandatory <laughs> it's more yeah. mandatory yeah. yeah and I obviously I emphasize it when it comes to someone who's straight hypothyroid um, it's an emphasis but we can make it less emphasis. Um, one thing that I do find is a lot of the women that come to me, they're so stressed out already. They're overwhelmed. They're frustrated. They're sad. They're depressed. Um, all these things and the overwhelm is too much. So if I throw too much on them at once and bombard them, they can't handle it. So I have, um, when people work with me one-on-one, we, we do, um, steps with it. So I don't throw all my information on them on the first day. Um, We just tack on different modules and steps as we go along. Mm -hmm. And the reason I do that one is I don't want to overwhelm them and I want them to actually work on the task at hand. So they get action tasks along the way. Well, someone with Hashimoto's, I'm going to bump that like lifestyle, Mm -hmm. eating, things like that. That's going to be right in the beginning. (laughs) We're going to hit it right yeah. away in the beginning. Um, and then because those people, I find that even if they're overwhelmed, we have to hit it. Like they, they don't get a choice in that. And then if they don't have Hashimoto's, um, if I know that from the get go, that they do not have Hashimoto's, then I might be a little bit more like lenient on, okay, let's, let's get mindset going here first. Uh-huh. Then we're going to tack this on. Um, so it's more of a, an approach of 
what I feel, like I said, non-negotiables or mandatory, um, I'm going to kind of adjust it, how I do that, um, you know, depending on what I see with test results, um, mm. supplementary, um, I might change what I do with them as well. Um, there's again, with autoimmune response, I mean, you have like leaky gut and all these other things that are typically happening. So I'm usually going to have to really hone in on gut health so much faster, um, than I would on someone with straight hypothyroidism. Yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. because I, you know, I think a lot of what I talk about because I'm not medically trained, you know, I, I'm coming at all of this from a, a pretty well-informed patient perspective. Oh, you're I've very done, informed. <laughs> I've done a lot of, you know, yes, you, like have. Um, you know, I was diagnosed at 22. I'm now 40, nearly 47. Mm-hmm. I've lived, I think I've lived my whole life with it, but um, yeah. I've done a huge amount of reading research, blah, blah, all of that. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I suppose, see, I'm, I used to be a lawyer, so I'm pretty careful oh, around, yeah. Um, yeah. well, I try to be careful around <laughs> not crossing bound, you know, crossing yeah. over into areas that genuinely aren't my expertise. So yeah, I really my thing. focus is on all of the, that diet lifestyle stuff mm-hmm. because it's so important and it's huge. Go, and go, go get your, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it works so perfectly in conjunction with yeah. the medical approach. And so like I'm on medication i've been on it since i was 22 mm-hmm. um and i often say it, i'd be dead if i didn't take my medication yeah 100%. but if that's all i did i'd be miserable right yeah. right and that's that's the difference and so i do get a lot of clients they're saying mm. you know bummer you still have to take thyroid medication i'm like not bummer happy that i still have to take thyroid medication because if i didn't have that I, I mean i i wouldn't be able to function but it's not just that the, the I always tell my clients the medication for a lot of people, it can be a band-aid. So don't band-aid it. You have to do all the other things so that that medication actually works. That medication will not be as effective if you're not doing all the things to help your body. Mm-hmm. And so lifestyle, diet, all those things, those are huge factors. If you want your medication to actually work, you probably need to do the other things then. Yeah. And particularly if you're taking the, I think you call it Synthroid, we call it a mm-hmm. Roxin, um, yeah. you know, yeah. your standard T4 replacement. Right. You have to have your gut Absolutely. Working, liver working and everything, or you're never right. going to get any T3, are you? <laughs> no, you're going to get zero conversion. Yeah. Um, absolutely. You'll get nothing. And that's, that's, uh, that's a whole another thing. Another conversation. We, yeah. We really go into that um, with all the things that can affect, affect conversion. Cause a lot of people are on T4 only medication and that's a huge discussion. And people, again, it's another topic. They're not told that a lot of people don't even know what T3 is. They only know what Synthroid Levothyroxine, all these things, they're like, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. When I talk about T3, they're like, what is that? Because the doctors never talked about that. They're always talking about T4, so they don't know about thyroid hormone conversion, all those things. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge factor that can be affected. You know, if you're only taking T4 and your gut is terrible and you have horrible liver health, you're not going to convert. Yeah. Yeah. Have you tried? I mean, I've tried lots of the different medications over the mm-hmm. years. <laughs> yeah. Have you? Yeah. So I was put on Synthroid, um, in the beginning, um, never worked. (laughs) I just could not, it just never, I never felt good on it. Um, and then at that time, um, when I finally found a functional medicine doctor, they put me on WP thyroid. Now that, I don't know, that went on back order. (laughs) Not long after I I got put on it. it, Well, it was barely on the market. It Uh, actually worked wonders. 
Um, and it went on back order and it never came back. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I was on armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That's your like worked, desiccated thyroid? It's desiccated thyroid. Yeah. yeah. And it worked for a little while for me, not a hundred percent, but my levels were always goofy because uh, armor is T4 and T3. And the armor was like set at like different strengths for the T3 and T4 in each pill. And mine were always, they never, the T4 and T3 never jived. (laughs) So I ended up getting my, um, and I was really sensitive to the fillers a lot of times and medications, not just with thyroid medication. I was very sensitive to any medication. So now I have my, um, and I started this years ago, I have my medication compounded. So I get the exact T3, the exact T4 that I need, not really any fillers. So I don't have to worry about the sensitivity thing. Um, and that's been working for me. And I'm, I was on a very high dose when I started and now I'm on a minimal dose. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So, but it was a, it was a lot, a lot of to, playing around, isn't it? Uh, playing around over with it. A long period of time. Over a long period of time. And that's what I always, people well, like, just keep in mind, you know, the ones that are on thyroid medication, I'm like, Thyroid medication is tricky. It doesn't happen overnight. It can take years. It took years for me to find that medication dosage, you know, all that of of how it works for you. And it is not a cookie cutter approach. I always tell my clients that just because your friend is doing it (laughs) or your cousin or your sister is doing this medication does not mean it's going to work for you. It is not a cookie cutter approach. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's sort of been my experience too. Like mm-hmm. I started on the Aroxin. I've ended up back on it actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is good. I, I mean, I've never been off it. Off, I've never been off medication, but I have yeah. tried, you know, the slow release too. I've tried yeah. all sorts of different things. All of it. <laughs> and basically it's not that the others didn't work. It's just that they didn't work well enough to justify the cost of them. To stay, it, oh, I know. They're really they're not- so at least with the, the Aroxin, it, it's cheap. It's cheap, um, right. As long as it's working. I'm not suggesting right. I only do that because it's cheap. But the others just, for me, at, that, at those points in time, they right. weren't good enough, you know. They weren't be like that, that amazing kind of response that right. some people get. So I think I've just done a lot of work on working on gut health, health you know, on, you know, some of those. And that is exactly why I always say that. I'm like the all the other things. And you could be taking all the thyroid medication in the world. Like mine compounded, my compounded still, even though it's T4, T3, it still would not be working if I didn't always make sure my gut health was okay. My liver health, all the things you still have to work on all that. And so when you, so you were diagnosed at 22, like, do you, Mm -hmm. do you think it was that kind of college stress that (laughs) triggered it? Or like, can you look back and think, Oh, like, how have you kind of reflected back and worked out? I would say, I mean, I probably had hypothyroidism like even before college um, because even in high school, it was a str- like weight was a struggle, energy. And I was involved in a lot of sports, but I could like, I, I would crash and burn very easily. Um, and weight was always a huge issue for me up and down, up and down, up and down all the time. Um, and I was just exhausted all the time. And then I was like, oh, let's go to college and let's do a physical therapy program that's even more stressful yeah because um, I think and, we call that physiotherapy I mean yeah I know, same thing physiotherapy yeah, yeah and it's a yeah. really tough degree I mean it's a tough it yeah. was tough and I was like that's great so now I'm stressed out even more yeah. um and I think I think the going to college and all that stress was kind of the 
strap the camel's back. I think that just was like, okay, this is it. And I, and I did get to the point where it was like, I couldn't stay awake for anything. And I graduated, you know, got, got my licensure, all that stuff. And then I was in the real world with work and I'm like, I can't even like stay awake at work. How am I going to enter the real world? <laughs> I yeah. can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, again, it took a couple of doctors to actually get diagnosed. I actually crazy, but I, the first, the doctor that I was seeing at the time when I graduated from PT school and, um, pretty much knew it was thyroid stuff would not test me for anything said that that's not slow thyroid. You just, you know, you're just getting older. I was 21 at the time. Oh, I mean, wow. getting, getting older, I'm 21 years old. And then he's went on to say, um, does anyone in your family enter menopause at an early age? I'm like, <gasps> 21, I'm not entering menopause. So that was the last time I saw that doctor. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. But again, it took a couple of doctors to get the diagnosis. Um, yeah. And then even so after that. Was that was just you trusting your intuition that something's yeah. right. Yeah. So that's yeah. pretty um, tenacious for a 20, you know, someone in their early 20s. Yeah. And probably some of that was because having been kind of in the medical field, um, you know, I worked with a lot of doctors, orthopedic surgeons, things like that at that time. And I mean, they were like adamant, you know, with their patients or whatever, if you don't feel like you're getting good. And we, we dealt with it in the physical therapy world. Like if they didn't like their physical therapy. Those doctors were on it. So it was like, you know, I see in the medical field, how mm. this works. Like if you don't feel like you're getting the correct treatment, the correct care, you gotta, you have to stand up for yourself. And so seeing it day in and day out with patients, I was like, Hmm, I'm pretty sure that there's, I know this is a thyroid thing. And then doing the research on it, I'm like, I, I, I know it is, I know it is. And no one would help me. So it took a little bit to get that. Yeah. And that's a really common story. So I think if you're listening and you know, you, that's what you're being told, just keep, di- oh, you know, so I say all the time, just keep digging, digging, keep finding out, trust your instincts, Yeah, you know, get the test, see different doctors, don't give up and, but trust yourself because it's so easy to then, you know, oh, maybe it is in my head or maybe I am just lazy or maybe I am just eating too mm. much chocolate or maybe right. I'm not walking, you know, and all those, that negative self-talk. Yeah. Well, and that's the issue, what you just said right there. It's the negative self-talk. And the problem with that is you end up getting that ingrained. I mean, I did it. I was like, okay, well, none of these doctors are helping me. Maybe I am crazy. Maybe it is all in my head. Maybe it's just the way it's going to be for me. Um, and um, like I have an identical twin sister and she has the exact, you know, she went through the exact same thing. And, oh, wow. um, and the doctor that diagnosed me at the time, you know, I told him, I said, well, I have an identical twin sister. She's kind of struggling. I'm, I'm pretty positive. She probably has the same thing. And he's like, oh yeah, no, that doesn't happen. So it was just like when, you know, when you hear things like that, I'm like, man, you really have to like be pushy. You have to be diligent about your own health. Yeah, because I mean, we do, and we should trust the medical profession. We should be able to. Right. And there are so right. many wonderful doctors that right. are incredible. Yeah. So, but so, but in that, we've still got to trust ourselves. So it's that still tension, have to, isn't it? Still have yeah. to trust it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, like you know your own body. Yes, there are things that yeah, maybe that's not there, but you know your own body, and if you feel it, you have to you have to keep pushing. Yep. So does your twin sister have hyperthyroidism as well? She does. Yep. She does. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And How she got, fascinating. She got diagnosed probably around close to around the same time that I did. Hmm. Well, yep. she she um, 
probably thankful for you and <laughs> <laughs> and you're pushing, you know. Yeah, yeah, because I'm always pushing with that, yeah. I know I am too. I um, my mum was diagnosed with Hashimoto's last year, and it all made sense. But and I um, I kept saying to my sister, just when just ne- next time you're getting blood tests, get the full thyroid panel. Make sure they test your antibodies. And and so she just recently did, and no antibodies. It was all fine. I'm like, great. You know, that's you're like good, yeah, excellent. But you know, yeah. good on you for being tested because it yeah runs in families well, and, and especially yeah. when it does, it does run in families, and that's why it's like so important to not ignore. You know, get get tested, at least rule it out, and then you, if you're if you don't have it, then you're good. One of the things that we uh, had planned to talk about today, we, I'm sure we can talk about a whole range of different things, is um, something that we I haven't really explored in detail with anyone, and that's um, you know minerals and mineral deficiencies and how how do minerals kind of serve the thyroid, don't yeah. serve the thyroid. So, yeah. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I think I've kind of delved into this. It's not something I know lots about, so I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to learning a bit more. Yeah. So this is an area that when I was really struggling with my thyroid, um, you know, I was still on this roller coaster of going up and down quite a bit. And then um, I stumbled upon in my, after I had got certified um, in functional diagnostic nutrition, um, something called hair tissue mineral analysis. And, um, and I was like, huh, this is kind of interesting. This kind of like, there's a lot of things in here that could shed light on some thyroid stuff. So obviously interested in it myself, I thought I'm, I'm going to like, I'm going to get certified. I'm going to test in this. and I'm going to do this stuff. Um, what I learned with it was there is such a massive connection with thyroid that I had no clue, never heard of it. Couldn't even believe that there was a connection. Um, and that's essentially why I, every person that comes to me now for thyroid, they, they get this test. Um, and that's why, because it's, it, there's such a big connection. So one pattern that I see pretty commonly on almost on all the women that I work with um, when getting their hair tissue mineral analysis um, is they actually have really elevated calcium. And unfortunately, um, obviously we need calcium, but calcium is supposed to be in your bone and your teeth. So there's essentially a level where you're supposed to have it in the hair. It, 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 a hair tissue mineral analysis gives me like a three month average. So that's why um, you know, getting your a blood test with calcium, it's going to kind of give me the snapshot of now, like right now, that day. But I'd rather have a three-month average. It's going to give me a better idea. So because obviously minerals can fluctuate so much from day to day. So I would rather do it on a hair test. Well, calcium, like I said, it's supposed to be in bone and teeth. Um, so when it's really elevated, if you think about calcium, it can calcify. Um one area that it really hammers is the thyroid. It will decrease the sensitivity of like thyroid hormone of the thyroid cells. Um, so I almost inevitably every single time I get a hair test back and it's someone that I'm suspecting is hypothyroid with or without a blood panel, um, their calcium's through the roof. Um, and I obviously immediately I'm like, okay, we got it. We have to lower that calcium. Now the hard part with calcium is it's not the smartest mineral. So once it gets out of the bone and teeth, it doesn't know how to go back. And so a lot of times you can have calcium overload like that for years and years and years of slowing your thyroid down and you don't know it. Um, And like I said, it doesn't know how to go back. So you have to really be careful with how you get it to go back and um, diligent with it because 
if that continues to do that, it, it can be hard for some to really correct what the thyroid is doing. The other thing that I also see is I will have some that come to me and I'm like, your, your thyroid panel actually looks pretty decent, your blood panel. Um, so your thyroid hormones aren't terrible, but then their calcium's through the roof. So it's actually the calcium that's making their thyroid an issue, not the thyroid hormones. And that's why doctors will say, oh, your thyroid panel looks great. You have nothing wrong with your thyroid. And I'm like, mm, no, no, you could still have some things slowing your thyroid down. It's just not showing up on a blood panel. And I see it. And now does it happen all the time? Not always, but I see it very commonly where this will happen. Um, most of the women that come to me have gotten to the point where they're exhausted. Um, so they're frustrated and they're like, okay, I, I actually do think that I, um, you know, they, they have this, uh, blood panel where their thyroid is, is extremely slow, um, on a blood panel in conjunction with that high calcium. What did you just ask me? You just asked me something to me. Is the hair mineral analysis the best way to test if you've got high levels of calcium? Yeah, essentially, um, I mean, like I said, you can check it on blood, but it's just going to tell me right now. I want to see a three month average. So yes, I typically, the only really way that I find is a much more accurate way to get that calcium read is in a hair tissue mineral analysis. Cause like what you ate the day before can affect your calcium levels on a mm-hmm. blood panel. Um, so like if you have, if you're constantly eating dairy and almonds that have a lot of calcium that can affect that. So I'd rather see it on a hair test to give me a a three-month average. Mm. And can you be deficient in your bones and teeth, but still have high levels of calcium? Yes. Yes, you can. I mean, um, it's hard to say. So essentially I've, I've seen scenarios where the, um, the, they get bone density scans and things like that. And they're told, you know, oh my gosh, your bone density scan looks really, really bad, but their hair tissue mineral analysis um, doesn't look bad for calcium in the hair. So it basically means that calcium is not going to the hair, essentially. Um, it's going, you know, if, if there's loss of calcium in the bone, it could be that the calcium that is coming out of the bone, they might just be excreting it. They might just be getting, it might be going right through their liver, whatever, um, and is screening it. So I, I have seen that where it happens that way, but essentially a lot of times, yes, if the calcium is being pulled out of bone and teeth, it usually is going into tissue like hair and things like that. And if it's in the hair, it, that means it is definitely hit hammer in the thyroid. Okay. And so what, what can we do to reduce that? So one thing that a, a supplement that I use, um, is called MK7. It's vitamin K. Um, it is, uh uh-huh. It is literally is, and you have to be careful with it because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for, if you're like on blood thinners, you can't take it, um, because it can't have that blood thinning property. Um, but it essentially latches onto that calcium and it shoves it back. Um, like I said, calcium, it's not very smart when it gets out, it doesn't know how to go back. So that's essentially what I used. Um, and depending on how bad someone is, but a lot of times I have to get aggressive. So on a hair test, a normal, um, number I like to see is around 63. Um, above that means, you know, obviously it's elevated. The majority of the women that I see, we're talking 300, 400, sometimes oh, five or right. 600. Wow. So that's, that is, yeah. that is aggressive. That is extremely high. Your thyroid will have a really hard time functioning um, with a calcium level that high. And, and actually when it gets above like 150, 200 ish, we actually call it a calcium shell and the calcium, it's a shell. 
it like literally shells around things. And that's a scenario where you're at high risk for arteries clogging, you're at high risk for kidney stones, all these things that calcify. People get a lot of joint pain, muscle aches and things like that because it's mm. everywhere. Yeah, that was my next question was how, how yeah, are there symptoms? Like do you... F- yeah, usually a lot of the people that I see that have, when it's that high, um, they're the ones that are telling me, first of all, they're extremely exhausted because their thyroid's not working very well. Um, but they have a lot of like joint aches, pains, muscle pains. Um, sometimes, you know, they're dealing with like, they're told like, Oh, I think you might have a UTI. And it's like, Oh no, it's because you have like, you're getting the beginnings of like kidney stones. Um, a Um, lot of bladder, a lot of bladder issues and things like that goes with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's yeah. It's really interesting. And so I guess, I mean, that's the sort of thing that you really need to be working with, you know, a a health professional professional on. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, I know. I, well, how how often do you recommend having your clients having the the hair mineral analysis done? If you're working, you know, actively working on it, then I usually because you can change those minerals pretty quickly. So three to four months ish is around what I usually recommend. Mm. You know, once you kind of get a stable, like for me, when I was first testing myself, I was doing it probably every three to four months, and then now I'll do like once every eight months, maybe 12 months a year, I just, just redid mine. Um, and so, yeah, I, but kind of like in that beginning phase. Yeah. I mean, mm. every three to four months, cause you can change it. You can change those things pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like getting the blood test. I often say, get your blood test done fairly regularly because then you can see, you know, you what I'm doing is working, working, what I'm not doing. Yeah. You can, I like to, yeah, I like to, maybe that's that, where I use that liking to be in control part of the thyroid personality to stay on top of it. And so to stay on top of it. Exactly. And, this, um, oh, and that's what I usually tell people. I'm like, you should be getting your blood panel every three months or so. So do the hair tests at the same time. I'm like, they're both like, they're so, so important to do. Just for those that have never had a hair uh, test, what's involved? I mean, I, I know what's involved. <laughs> well, I think I do, but what's involved? You don't have to shave all your hair off or what, what do you do? Yeah. So you actually have to like cut hair in that. <laughs> the hard part, this is the hard part. And I can vouch for this because, um, you know, when you have hypothyroidism, you usually have very thinning hair. You have a lot of thinning hair, hair falling out. Um, so sometimes it can be a little bit anxiety for some women when they're like, I physically have to cut hair off. You're not cutting like one big hunk. Um, usually I just have people cut like a whole bunch of little sections, you know, kind of down lower cause you won't even notice it that it's gone. Um, but you have to, you use about an inch and a half from the root out. Um, you use that inch and a half, um, of the hair, I don't um, think I've got that. Like my, my husband has like, you know, no hair. He wanted to do the hair test. He was just curious. Um, he does not have long enough hair. So you can use like axillary hair. I have men do axillary hair. I mean, like you can, it doesn't have to be hair on your head, um, but it does, you, you have to kind of skew numbers a little bit when it's not the hair on your head. Um, but yeah, it is better to get a little bit longer um, of a sample. And essentially it's because every month, every half inch is a month of hair of uh, analysis. So that's why they request an Ah, uh, I see. Okay. So if I was going to do it now, I'd wait till I'm just about to get my hair cut and then save some from the hairdresser. That's exactly what I would do. <laughs> Aside from calcium, are there other minerals that show yeah. up in this hair? Like what, what else can impact so on the thyroid? Calcium one, it, when it's high, it can slow the thyroid down. Potassium is a really big one um, that it also looks at. Potassium is 
also needed um, for good thyroid function. It helps with thyroid hormone conversion. It helps with sensitizing thyroid hormone, period. Um, so uh, potassium is really needed for this. And the pattern I usually see is really high calcium and bottomed out potassium. Um, I see it very commonly. Um, on the hair tissue mineral analysis, we actually look at significant ratios. And one of the significant ratios is they analyze calcium and potassium as a ratio. And a lot of times it's extremely high because calcium is high, potassium is low. So that ratio is extremely high, which is um, a red flag for a slow thyroid. Um, so I, I'll see that really commonly. And then selenium is another one that it looks at. And selenium is notorious um, for, um, you know, being low on someone with a slow thyroid. Again, it's needed for thyroid hormone conversion. Um, and I, I, it's almost, it's rare for me to actually see it at a normal level when the women that I'm working with, it's usually bottomed out. And so that's essentially a really important one, um, that I have people work on too. And is eating a couple of Brazil nuts a day enough? Yeah. So for some, they can just do a Brazil nut and they're good enough. Um, I know I have a lot of people that they, they do that every single day and it's actually enough. You can definitely get it from that. And I have some that their stomachs are so tore up. They just have really bad gut health and I can't, they, they are having a really hard time absorbing um, the selenium out of the Brazil nut. So I actually have to have them supplement with it um, for a little while. And then eventually they can use Brazil nut, but um, the Brazil nut is a great way to get it. Yeah. I remember um, years ago when I first started I wouldn't say I'm probably diligent enough to be having a Brazil nut every day, but I remember when I first years ago heard about Brazil nut selenium thyroid, um, I think my gut health wasn't good and I just couldn't digest. Well, it just felt like Brazil nuts didn't fit well in my tummy, you know, like, a, a yeah, so. Yeah, and a lot of people with Hashimoto's, they have that autoimmune, like, inflammatory response already, you know, always kind of going. And so sometimes just eating nuts in general can really cause inflammation. They don't do well with it. And that's a scenario. A lot of my Hashimoto's, I'm like, mm, let's just do the supplement. I just want to negate the chance of causing any issues with you having Brazil nut every single day. Yeah, that's good advice. And I know certainly for me, it's just varied according to my gut health, really. And my gut health is good. I'm pretty good with nuts. When it's not, I have had periods where, and certain nuts like Brazil nuts, cashews, no good, almonds, okay. You know, like it's, it's just a lot of trial and error. Yeah, it is a lot of trial and error for sure. And so from a potassium point of view, I mean, just off the top of my head, I think bananas are high in potassium. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And actually some of the, there is potassium in it, but the higher potassium are things like starches. Um, like sweet potatoes, oh, potatoes, I love sweet potatoes. Yeah. Okay. butternut squash, acorn squash, um, mm. coconut water is ah. huge with potassium. Ah. Um, um, another one that I really, really like is, um, I actually have people make potassium broth. So oh. like people make chicken broth, yeah. you make potassium broth and Ooh, how do you, you do that? Yeah, I can send you the recipe. Um, yeah. it's really, it's really good. You use, um, a lot of different, um, you can put a bunch of different vegetables in it, but the, the hallmark one that's in it, um, it sounds crazy. It's potato skin. So you oh. peel potatoes and you can put the potato body in there, but you don't need it. It's the skin that has an, a ton of potassium in it. And I will have people make that and then they heat it up and they can drink it all day long. Um, that's a really good way. Um, celery juice has potassium as well. That's another one. 
Yep. I can't choke down celery juice for whatever reason. I don't ah, know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish I could because I, it's, it's so good for you. Yeah. I, um, it's good for me. Yeah. Yeah. But I love, I have people use that all the time because keep in mind, you need about 4,500 milligrams a day of potassium, just normal function. That's every single day. If you have low potassium, you need a little more. So um, like a half of a cup of, or one cup of sweet potatoes is about 500 milligrams ish um, of potassium. That's a lot of cups of potatoes to eat in a day to try to get 4,500 milligrams. So that's why a lot of people, I do say, okay, you have to get your potassium foods, but if they're really deficient in the hair test, we do end up having to supplement them with some, a little bit extra potassium because it's going to be hard to get that amount of potassium. Yeah. That's a lot of potassium, which is why I actually have them make, let's do the potassium broth. Let's get some coconut water, do drinking things. Cause then you're not having to like eat all the carbs um, and all the foods to get that much. So usually giving them, you know, some liquid type of potassium is good too. I like to think that what, what we're doing here is it's positive. And actually that probably leads into maybe a quick question about mindset and then mm-hmm. we might wrap it up because I'm sure yeah. we can get you back another day Talk and forever. <laughs> well, some other things. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I know one of the things that you like to work with your clients on is mindset and it's a pretty core part of um, the way, you know, it's one of the core pillars I think in managing thyroid health is absolutely. Mindset. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so how do you, how do you work with someone who is in that negative thinking spiral, you know, and it's beating themselves up all the time, super self-critical. Yeah. What do you do? How do you help? So, them? so one of the things um, I, first of all, they end up getting a lot of action tasks. I give them a lot of homework. We'll say it like that. Um, and um, it's a lot of, qu- I'm ask, I ask a lot of questions um, so I can really, dive into, um, you know, how negative are we beating ourselves up here? How much are we really doing this? Um, and I, when I see a pattern where someone really has pretty bottomed out, they're pretty negative, beating themselves up pretty bad. I will literally make them fill it out every day. I will make them fill this out every day so that they can start seeing like repetitively (laughs) doing it. Like, Oh my gosh, I'm saying the same thing over and over of how much I hate my body and how much I hate my thyroid and all these things. Um, I want them to see it. I need them to physically see like how much negative talk they're doing. So that's one way that I do it. The other thing too, is um, I actually make them write out a gratitude list and affirmations and they have to send it to me um, on a daily basis for a couple of weeks at least, because I want them to show me like, what is something positive that you can say about yourself and what are some gratitude things? Um, they have to work on those. One thing that I noticed with a lot of women and I can vouch for this. I went through this myself. It's really easy to beat yourself up and hate your body and all those things when you have no gratitude, when there's no, okay, so I don't really like my thyroid right now, but man, maybe I should be grateful for the part of my thyroid that actually is working or I don't like that I can't lose this weight, but maybe I should be grateful because my body's doing that for a reason to tell me that I actually need to fix my eating. It's really bad. So I have them kind of turn things around to look at what are the positives that we can look at because the focus has to get off that negative. Or if they don't, what's the consequence? <laughs> so something that 
And, and it depends on the person. It's very person specific. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I do have to be like, um, put my foot down. Um, You know what? We're not, we're not moving any further. We're not even going to do the hair tissue testing. We're not doing anything until I see some changes here in this negativity, because I, I can't help coach you and I can't help you work through like what we're analyzing with your hair test or your hormone testing. I can't work. We can't really work on that until I see some changes. So I, I have had a couple scenarios where I've had to be like, okay, you know what? We're going to hold, we're going to hold right now. We're going to try to work on this mindset thing. We're not doing any further, any testing, anything else until we can get this mindset stuff to shift. And I will make them every day. Like I need to see consistency of emails or we're just going to keep pushing this back. How long do you want to push this back? Um, I've had to put my foot down only a few times, but it does work if I've had to do that um, because they start seeing like, you're right. I'm, I'm not going to be able to fix anything if I don't change yeah. this mindset. Yeah, part. it fits into that because that negative thinking creates stress in your body and stress creates inflammation. And, Absolutely. and that was the, the conversation I had recently with Justin Janoska all about stress and trauma and uh, and how that blocks thyroid healing because and so it's all tied into that and he says really unless you're going to deal with the stress everything else you do is not going to work I mean that's that's really simplified but that's a core and that's really what you're saying here absolutely true it absolutely is true and and to constantly keep keep creating a stress response well oh anytime you have stress I don't care if it's a stress from a food that you ate or a stress from because your negativity you know, you're going to keep slowing your thyroid down. Your thyroid's not, it's your master gland. So it's like, I'm, it's not going to do what it's supposed to be doing when it's constantly getting beat up by negativity or stress or things like that. So if I have to throw in, you know, sometimes I'll throw it. Okay. We're going to actually do, and I've had to do this. Um, we're going to do a consult and we're going to literally just do, we're going to do a meditation. I'm going to make you sit down and do meditation with me. We're going to do a meditation. I've had to do that. Um, we'll do breath work if we have to, um, we'll do journaling. I, I, I've had to do a lot of journaling with people while they're on a zoom call with me, um, so that I see them doing it and they can give me feedback on, you know, what they're writing down, um, and venting. Sometimes they just need a vent. Um, and so, you know, we've done that before too. Yeah. That was really so practical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you um, have them write their own affirmations or have you got like, I know there's no one magic affirmation, but have you got Mm -hmm. a a couple that you find regularly help help that you could share with us? So um, I do have them write their own affirmations, obviously to be more customized to them. But one thing um, I do tell them other affirmations, I I have a list that I actually send them. Um, Like here's some ideas if they're like, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do here. Um, one of the big ones that I always make them include, no matter what is my thyroid is happy and healthy. I'm always like, you have to say it over and over and over. My thyroid is happy and healthy. My thyroid is healing. Um, my thyroid is working. Um, those are the ones that I'm like, you have to say it over and over and over. I will say, um, you know, some people do better with like using an app. Um, there's several apps out there. There's one called think up that I actually, I love that app, um, where you can actually, you can have the list and it can, uh, you can physically read it or you can record your own. Voice. Oh, that's cool. And then you, 
Um, this is the one that I use for me personally. And I record all the affirmations that I want to do every day. I record my own voice on it. And then I just hit a button and they all play. And then it gives me time that I can repeat the affirmation. Oh, that's cool. I like um, that. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really cool app. So um, I typically always recommend them to get that. Um, if they would rather just have it where they read it, um, they can do it too. But um, they always have to give me in the beginning, I'm like affirmations. I want to see yours. Tell me, them. I have to see them as yeah. part of their action task. And a lot of times, like I said, if I'm really seeing that mindset's blocking them, I won't move on. I'm like, we got to work on this yeah, longer. That's great. Yeah. I've, uh, I've done similar, you know, similar things. And uh, last year put together, I haven't actually um, printed them yet, but like a whole set of what I've called thyroid love notes. I'm just, I'm waiting for a good, um, printing deal and then I'll just get a whole lot printed <laughs> but uh, yeah you're right because and I don't I know you probably can't see but all up on my little thing behind me I've got affirmations I've got other words person so I've got you know other sorts of affirmation cards and all around me I've got I love it my um vision board it's pretty much all words I'm just a words words person so <laughs> yeah I yeah. love it and words I are love powerful it. words have that power of life or death so let's bring life they're so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what one thing that I always say, you know, you're putting it out there. So if you're putting it out there, if you keep saying my thyroid's never going to get better, that's what's going to happen. It will keep happening that way. So you have to change that mindset. Well, look, I think that's a fabulous way to wrap up. Do you follow Angela on Instagram because she's um, very bright and sparkly and lots of fun little reels that I haven't figured <laughs> out how to make yet, pointing in different directions and dancing and music. And I'm like, oh, this all looks too hard for me. <laughs> I'll get my head around it soon. But in the meantime, yeah, follow Angela for fun, Instagram and lots of really valuable information. But is, is that the best place for people to connect with you or where would you like people to go if they want to connect? So I'm obviously, like you said, I'm on Instagram and I have a website, um, AngelaBrown.org. Um, I have some free guides and stuff on there too. I have a bunch of freebies on there that people can get um, and they can see like the things that I do and all that stuff. Excellent. Well, I'll make sure in the show notes and on you know my website where I connect all of these things that all of those links are there. And, and I think you're at Angela Brown Coach. Is that right? Yep. Angela Brown Coach on Instagram. So, well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure we've got lots more we can talk about. Maybe we'll um, do another one down the track. Yeah, I would love that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Thyroid. I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast and share it with others that you know with thyroid problems. Let's get the message out there. If you'd like to connect with me further, the best place to do that is via my website, AnnabelleBateman.com. From there, you'll be able to join my Facebook group, book a strategy session with me, download my freebie um, and access any show notes for this episode. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Bye. The information presented and discussed in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any disease and should not be used as a substitute for proper advice from a qualified professional. 